Welcome back, everybody, to another week of the Welcome to the World of Sports podcast. It's your boy, the one and only John Kolar. And I'm your co-host, Braxton Brown, and we had an action-packed week, so let's get into it. So in today's episode, we'll talk about the conference championship games. We finally have a Super Bowl, Super Bowl game to talk about. Um, we're also going to talk about some big news. Tom Brady retiring from the game of football after 22 seasons. We're going to talk about the new generation of quarterbacks versus the old ones. Um, we're also going to talk about the NBA All-Stars, the starters that were announced, and some um, mid-season predictions. So we'll just go ahead and get right into it. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, the AFC Championship game. Since that was the first game, we'll go ahead and talk about that. Um, I kind of say – I'm going to say Joe Burrow. That's mm-hmm. the two words I'm going to say, Joe Burrow. Because I say that because Joe Burrow, what he showed me yesterday, like just his way of being able to elude the pocket and like still make plays down the field under rush, that's ultimately what won them the game. And their defense stepped up a lot more and they did a lot more than I thought they would do. Because honestly, I just thought that, especially after that 21-3 to lead that um, Kansas City had before, you know, that Joe Burrow and made their comeback, I really thought Kansas City was just going to blow the doors off the game and just, like, annihilate them. But, uh, you know, I commend the Bengals' defense for stepping up and um, helping their team and willing their team to a Super Bowl because Joe Burrow and that offense, along with that defense, is part of what helped them get to the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was a fun game to watch, uh, like – I guess the theme of this playoffs is close games and games coming down to the wire. But uh, I think it was a true testament to Joe Burrow's poise in these type of moments. You know, he's used to it. He's got championship experience. I mean, playing at LSU and leading them to the national championship. And, uh, yeah, I think it was just credit to the poise of the team. He's brought to them a new, I guess, uh what's the word I want to use a new mindset, I guess, like a new way of thinking. They, they feel more confident with their quarterback. Uh, and so I feel like that was a big part of why they were able to come back from the deficit that they had. I mean, being down 21 to three, most teams would just roll over facing somebody as good as Mahomes, but they didn't do that. And so I think it was a great win on their part. Yeah, for sure. I, Burrow's swag, bro. is just like some, we don't usually see from a quarterback. Like, he just brings that certain type of swagger, bro, that you just know, like, this dude is here. He's about business. Like, yesterday when I seen his pregame outfit, I was like, yeah, this dude, <laughs> he got winning on his mind. Because you don't usually see quarterbacks dressed like that. Quarterbacks are usually, you know, professional, got on suits. And, you know, he's walking out here with a, 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 blue, a baby blue coat on and cardiac glasses. And, like, you don't usually see that. So I like the swag that he brings to the quarterback position. I think that gives the yeah. team a lot of confidence. And that's, you know, ultimately the reason why they've made it so far far as an underdog is because they have Joe Burrow in that confidence. But another question I want to ask you, though, do you feel like this may be the end of the Chiefs, quote-unquote, Super Bowl window? Uh. 
I think I don't think this will be the end of their window, but I do think that the the way that they would go about it previously, just feeling comfortable that they could just play however they wanted and whenever they were ready to switch to flip the switch, they could just take over a game. I don't feel like those days are still around. These quarterbacks and these offenses are are beginning to meet their standards as far as the efficiency at which they score at and defenses are kind of learning the way that they play offense. So it's, it's not, it's no longer just the chief's going to run, run you off the field. It's, it's more of a competitive matchup and I like to see it because no one wants a, a conference championship game where the, the team just gets ran over. So I, I love it for the game. And uh, I think, I think the chiefs, they got to do some inner looking and just, see if they want to retool some things and maybe I don't know how they would switch it up, but they, they may have to do something. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just think like it goes back to what you said. I don't, I don't really think that their window is over. Cause I, I still do think that as long as they got Mahomes, they'll always be contenders to, to win a Super Bowl. But I just think that their, their, their days of, blowing people out and like them being a top mm-hmm. tier team or Mahomes being a top tier quarterback away from the rest of the league. Uh, those, I don't think those days are there anymore just because of the simple fact you got quarterbacks that's starting to play on the same level as Mahomes. You know, we've seen it the, the past two weeks with um, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. They both played good. And then Joe Burrow case, he played better than Mahomes yesterday. So I I don't I just think that the team like the Chiefs, the Chiefs you know being that top tier team that's just not existent anymore. Um, yeah, it's and I I feel like it was important to note that I mean when watching the game you could just see uh, I feel like Mahomes has some improvement. I mean if anything that I've seen, once you get him flustered and you don't he doesn't really. Uh, he's not hitting his targets as well, and you know he got a little bit of pressure. He starts turning into this scrambling quarterback that we never seen, <laughs> and like it's just, I think yeah. part of it is on Andy Reid being a little bit better, um, and in game planning and teaching him on how to read defenses. But I think he just has a lot to figure out. I mean, because I've I've never seen him play that bad in the second half. I mean, he didn't. He only put up three points, and that's really the kicker. That ain't him. So it's just it's crazy. Yeah. Honestly though, bro, it's like I don't know. It I wanna know what's the difference between what we seen last year in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs versus what we seen yesterday with the Chiefs. So like they spend all this money. So wait, so I'm gonna back it up. They go to the Super Bowl and they play Tampa. And Tampa just hits Mahomes with a whole bunch of pressure because um, the excuse that they gave was, you know, his O-line was depleted. So they they did a lot this offseason to try to rebuild the offensive line. They spent all this money, spent all these draft picks on rebuilding the offensive line. And then when it gets down to playoff time, you go to the AFC Championship and you kind of lose in the same way that you lost in the Super Bowl in terms of second half because the Bengals really brought pressure to Pat Mahomes in the second half. And like you said, he turns when you get pressure in his face, he turns into a scrambling quarterback, you know, that we never seen. He 
he doesn't handle pressure well. Um, you know what I'm saying? So I just want to know what was the point in them spending all this money? Are you just going to go out the same way you went out last year? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, considering the fact that they spent all that money on him, they ex- expect him to be uh, more efficient in those type of moments. I mean, you pay 500 mils to somebody, you expect them to uh, stay composed in those moments, more like how Joe Burrow was playing yesterday. So I think it's important for them to kind of talk to him and get him right in those type of moments, make sure that they strategize. Because I think a lot of the missteps on his part is just due to poor planning. I mean, if you don't plan for an adjustment, then how could you succeed? Yeah, for sure. So, but um, that's really what I took away from the Chiefs uh, and the Bengals game. But even the one, the NFC Championship game, that was a good one as well. You got two NFC rivals going head-to-head. And uh, for a minute there, it looked like the 49ers were going to pull off another upset because the the Rams just couldn't get nothing going on offense until late. And I tweeted out, <laughs> I tweeted out last night after the game, I said, so y'all still think Jimmy G is a good quarterback? Because honestly, he's the, really the reason why the 49ers, you know, lost that game because he had a late turnover. If he would have, in my opinion, if he would have just took the sack, bro, and was able to live another down, then maybe that's something different that we're talking about today. But he got flustered and he threw the ball away, and which ultimately led to the Rams becoming the NFC champs. Yeah, I, I, I really, I try to take up for Jimmy G, you know, because the wins he, he usually wins in these type of moments. Uh, well, until it comes to the Super Bowl, but uh, mm-hmm. I just when I saw him throw that, I, I just I didn't I didn't have a good feeling about it. I mean. At that moment, I feel like you should just kind of protect the ball. But, you know, that was a turning point. Another turning point was when uh, I believe uh, Matt Stafford, he had threw the ball deep downfield and one of the defenders dropped the ball. It's moments like that that you just have to be prepared because it can literally change the swing of a game. Yeah, that that's the kicker for sure. That's the kicker. And uh, I, honestly, if that, if that defender would have caught that interception – that we probably be talking about how the 49ers on their way to the Super Bowl right now. But it didn't happen that way. The next play, Stafford goes down the field, throws a dart to OBJ. He catches it for like 27 yards, and then they get another 15 yards added onto the play because as he was going down, uh, the safety came and hit him with a helmet-to-helmet contact. So it was just poor execution on the 49ers' part um, along with penalties, is what killed their game, honestly. But I want to give, like, a big ups to OBJ because at the beginning of the season, everybody was talking about how he's washed up and he's not the same person anymore. And I, and personally, I was a big advocate for OBJ to get out of Cleveland. I, was, I kept telling people, look, y'all got to realize, OBJ is still that same dude. He's fresh. They, bad, he, they barely used him in Cleveland. So how can he be washed? Then, you know, he his father goes on, on social media and puts out that video with him, you know, 
being wide open and Baker just not hitting him. And then he goes to LA and we see what he's doing now. I think he had nine catches for 113 yards. And it's just a testament to things that like OBJ is still that same player. He just hasn't had many opportunities to prove. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, f- I was checking social media and I saw it was just flooded with a bunch of OBJ uh people just sending good praises to him because they're happy for him in this moment. And I feel like, you know, you put your hard work and time into it. I feel like he deserved it, uh, honestly, because, I mean, ridicule after ridicule, they critiquing him all the time. They calling him a diva wide receiver. And it's just like, he's proven everyone wrong. And I just love that for him. And uh, I can't wait to see, the performance he has in the Super Bowl, because if he have a big game, best believe we're gonna t- we're gonna hear about it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But um, yeah. So it's big ups to him. Big ups to Cooper Cup, just for like the receiver Cooper Cup has become. Like if you ain't seen the news lately, it's been a, a graphic going around with Cooper Cup, where he talks about how his girlfriend had to pick up a job to support them financially. She even dropped out of school in Arkansas and moves closer to him, losing two years of college credits. So it's just a testament to the, the journey that they've been on and how he's all, he's been making it all pay off, you know, since then. Yes, I mean, shout out to him, but more importantly, shout out to his girlfriend because how many girlfriends do we know that would do that? I mean, that's a big that's a big thing to do, but that just shows her support that she has for him, man. Uh, Obviously, he turned it around and, you know, made it pay off for them. So, congrats to the both of them, actually. Yeah, yeah. There's not many girlfriends that would do that, I can tell you that. But uh, so, after this little break we got coming up, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Brady possibly retiring. And we're also going to talk about these new generation of quarterbacks versus the old ones. And we're going to weigh and determine which, you know, which style we like the best. Y'all stay seated and stay tuned. Y'all don't want to miss it. We'll be back. Welcome back, y'all. So one minute he's retired, next minute he's not. We really still don't know the situation behind Brady's retirement, but we do know that as of right now, he hasn't made his decision yet. Uh, what do you think is the reason why he may have rescinded his idea to retire? Or do you think that he's going to be back for another season or no? Uh, honestly, bro, I think I think he's going to retire. Um, because, But then at the same time, you got to realize we're talking about Tom Brady. But I think he's going to retire for the simple fact is that, you know, the word's out right now. So... And everybody's banking on him to retire. So, like, him not retiring, it would kind of make, like, the reporters who first reported kind of look bad. But, uh, I mean, honestly, I think he's just going to retire because he has nothing left to prove. The man's won seven Super Bowl, and he's got pretty much every record known to a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So, what is there left to prove? You played 22 seasons. You've been – you played at an elite level for all 22. That's something that, like, not a lot of people – can say, but I, I ultimately think he is going to retire. And really and truly, I think what's taking them so long is because, you know, Tom Brady is the ultimate competitor. He wants to compete at a high level. He's not the type of quarterback, you know, that 
he he's going to play with grit. He's going to talk trash, you know, because that's just the type of person he is. That's just the type of competitor he is. So I think ultimately his competitive spirit is was, you know, making him hold off on making an announcement. But I think we'll see him announce that he's going to retire in the coming days. Well, I think I think his uh I think the big reason why he doesn't want to retire, maybe he may be thinking about it and having a long think about it, uh, is that uh he's had so much longevity and it's it's kind of like when you're doing something at a very high level for so long and getting recognized for it, and then not only that, but you're still at that level, like you're still out here dominating teams. I mean, he still made it to the playoffs and really, and truthfully, they almost had a chance to make it to the conference championship. So it's kind of like, yeah, I want to leave, but at the same time, I love this game and I'm still competing at a high level, whether that be in my old age. I know he said his uh, wife is tired of him taking hits and he needs to go and be a father, but I really think that he's someone who values success and as much as he feel like he can be successful, it will keep him in the league. So me personally, I wouldn't be surprised to see him suited up to play next season. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't really be surprised either just because I know, you know, once again, like the type of competitor he is, he wants to win. Uh, he even talked about it on his um, many series he has on ESPN Plus, Man in the Arena. He even talks about how he, you know, he's just got – that fire lit under him every single time that's just keeping him from actually calling it quits. And he, and I've seen on ESPN that like they say he, he even talked about therapy because he doesn't know how football has been a part of his life for so much. And he's, he's done it at such a competitive level for so long that he doesn't know that he doesn't know how he's going to fill the void of not having football in his life when that time comes, you know? So maybe I think that's what's, that could be holding him back from um, officially retiring as yeah, well. Yeah, I think, I think um, it would be more believable for him to retire if he had won this year. Because at that point, eight rings, it's, it's nothing left to play for. But I feel like each year he loses, it's kind of like motivator fuel to just – get back out there and show them that I could still do this at a high level at 45. Like, I think, I think it would be more believable if he had won because it it would, he would feel vindicated in retiring. But right now I think, I think he's just, he's probably upset about the loss and I think that'll be enough for him to come back another season. <laughs> yeah. I can definitely see him coming back because he did not leave out on top. Like he's just that type of quarterback is, is like to him, the story is not finished unless he goes out as a champion, but I can also see him retiring as well because just about the aspects of family and, you know, he's been doing it so long. So it's really a, a 50, 50 situation with me, honestly. Yeah. And, but with him, with him with retiring, uh, if he was to retire, it would open up, the AFC, I mean, not AFC, the NFC, but really just the whole playoff picture because at that point, you won't have to face another juggernaut. I mean, you already, like we talked about in the previous segment, we talked about Mahomes, you know, those juggernauts, you don't have to see them. So it opens it up for a lot of these younger quarterbacks like we were going to talk about. Uh, 
And so I feel like who do you feel uh, is most ready and prepared now, besides Mahomes, obviously, to, I guess, fill that void if Brady were to retire? Um, I would have to say Josh Allen. And I say Josh Allen because you got to look at the things he's he's been able to do with, you know, he ha- he's been able to compete with Mahomes head-to-head at the highest level possible with, you know, Stefan Diggs as a star receiver, but he doesn't really have big-name receivers. Um, you look at his receiving core, he has Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKinney to go along with Cole Beasley, you know, to go along with Stefan Diggs. And he has Dawson Knox as his tight end. But he none of those names other than Stefan Diggs that I pointed out to you really stands out. So I just think that that's what makes his his levels as a quarterback, the way he's progressing as a quarterback, I think that's what, that's what makes his, his progression so much better is because he has one star receiver that everyone knows, but he's actually like making these no-name receivers. He's helping them make a name for themselves all while making a name for himself as well. And so like, I just think that the way he's able to compete with Mahomes, like Mahomes is up, is in that top tier one, two quarterbacks. So as he, as I've seen him being able to compete with Mahomes, I just think that he's on a level that he's most ready to take over the league in terms of, you know, being in a, in that top tier with Mahomes. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, one thing that I would say about these new generation of quarterbacks is I'm very excited to see these battles that happen between them. I mean, the game is completely changing. We're seeing quarterbacks being more mobile and uh, being able to move around. They're not afraid to get their hands dirty and run a couple of draw plays or some read option. Like they're not... They're not afraid of any of that. And I love the competitive spirit of all the young quarterbacks. They they're, they have no fear at all. Um, and I think that's what we see from people like Josh Allen. Like, he's he's not afraid at a big moment. And uh, I think I that's why I agree with you is that he he could really feel that void going back and forth with Mahomes or whoever it might be. I mean, Joe Burrow might even step in. I mean, because he's headed to the Super Bowl and he has that mentality. So, I just I just like what I'm seeing from all the young quarterbacks, and uh, I can't wait to see some of the battles that take place. Yeah, for sure. And that's what really makes me fall in love with Josh Allen because he's able to use his feet. He's able to be mobile. So, like, sh- seeing the things that he's able to do while being able to throw darts, you know, he has a cannon, and being able to use his feet as well, that's just what makes me think that he's – he's more capable of being that second option on side of Mahomes. Because if I had to choose who I wanted to start a if you if you basically told me I had to choose who I wanted to start a franchise with and but the person could not be Patrick Mahomes, I would probably say either Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, with Josh Allen getting getting a nod just because he really has more arm strength than Burrow. But Burrow shows some of those same attributes that Josh Allen shows with the way that he's able to, you know, move his legs and and be mobile in the pocket and avoid the rush all while making good decisions with the ball when it's time to pass it. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like, we've only mentioned so far 
I mean, three quarterbacks, including Brady right now, but it's so many more that are talented. Like, you know, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, uh, Tua is even getting better. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurst, just a lot of, a lot of young quarterbacks who could really make something happen. And, uh, like I said, I can't wait to see. And they're not only but not only dominating in the ways that quarterbacks usually do with their arms, but they're they're dominating with their legs. And it's just it's good to see. And this this new generation, I mean, somebody had to say it is more diverse. You got more black quarterbacks than they used to be. So it's just a good thing for the league. And I feel like it'll have a good impact on the ratings and people will love to see this as well. Yeah, for sure. Um I, you like you said, you called out the likes of Lamar Jackson. Um, I would like to see Lamar progress as a passer. Um, Jalen Hurts, don't sleep on Jalen Hurts. Justin Herbert is that dude as well. And but Lamar and and I say, look, I want to see Lamar be able to progress as a passer. But he also like the way that he makes plays with his feet almost makes you think that he doesn't really need to progress as a passer because he's so elusive with his feet. You know what I'm saying? But those names that you mentioned, they aren't bad names because those dudes are the real deal. And uh, I just can't wait to see how that, you know, helps the league grow in, in coming years. Yeah, and we can't forget to mention the man who was up 24-0 on uh, Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, he has his situation right now. So he if you throw him in there, the conversation gets even more, uh, I guess, widespread. So it's just – like I, like I was saying, it's just a, a whole new generation. And I think, I think it'll just, it's just be good for the game. You know, everybody, be, everybody will be competitive. It won't be, there's real parity in the league right now. I feel like, I mean, any team could really, when I want, went into the playoffs this year, this year, I seen the teams that were listed to play and I just felt like anybody could have won. Like I was, I really had to think on who I thought would win and, Honestly, I love that. I love that experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like you said, that person who went up 24-0 on, on Pat Mahomes, we can't discard him either. And it's gonna be interesting to see where he ends up if he's if he's moved, you know, in this offseason. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So after this break, we'll be back to talk. NBA All-Star starters and our music season predictions. Y'all don't want to miss it. Stay locked and loaded. Welcome to the world of sports, baby. All right, we're back. We're back. Time to discuss the NBA All-Stars, the NBA All-Stars. So the starters list came out a couple days ago, and um, I don't know if everyone got a chance to see it, but we're going to announce the starters and we're going to discuss who we who we think we should should have made it, who were surprised that made it or who, you know, who we didn't, you know, who we already expected was going to be there. Yeah. So for the um, Eastern Conference All-Stars, st- All-Star starters, we got Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets, Giannis Antetokounmpo. From Milwaukee, from the Milwaukee Bucks, Joel Embiid from the Philadelphia 76ers, Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks, and DeMar DeRozan from the Chicago Bulls. 
And for the Western Conference starters, we have LeBron James from the Los Angeles Lakers, <laughs> Nikola Jokic from the Denver Nuggets, uh, Andrew Wiggins from Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors, and John Morant from the Memphis Grizzlies. Hold on, bro. I didn't even realize Andrew Wiggins was a starter. <laughs> I did not realize Andrew Wiggins was a starter until you just announced it just now. That is crazy. Yeah, he's he's had a he's had a very uh I guess this is his breaking out year. I mean, pairing up with Steph and the whole Warriors organization, I I feel like they finally gave him a true role. I mean, I don't think I don't think anywhere else he was where he he really had that true role. I think they try to put him in like the number one scoring option, and I don't think that's really for him. I think you know you keep him around second, third option. I think he could really shine, and I think that's why he got this All Star start. Yeah, for sure. But man, I didn't even realize he was a starter. Uh, that that surprised me for one. Um, who else surprised me? Um, I think Trey Young kind of surprised me. Just because I didn't really hear about, yeah. you know, him having a, a good season. I, I thought that maybe he was having an okay season because I've seen him here and there, but I didn't think that he was really having an all-star season. As I look back on the players that – the other starters, they got a lot of exposure this year, and I, I really – I ain't really heard much about Trey Young this year, so that kind of surprised me. Um, John Morant it was, is having an incredible season. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think everyone expected John Morant to be starting. I mean, everywhere you look, you see something crazy he did in the game, whether it be a dunk or a block, something crazy. I mean, he's just he's taking that Memphis uh Memphis Grizzlies team to higher and higher heights. I actually uh had a chance to go to a Memphis Grizzlies game uh around New Year's and just to see the way that you know, he leads this team and uh, just, I mean, how he dissects the defense and just kind of maneuvers around and scores and assists. It's just it's just crazy, man. He's on a whole nother level right now, and can't anybody touch him? Yeah, for sure. Uh, do, do you see anything on uh, anything from the starters that surprised you? Like who you – any starters surprised you that you surprised made the list? Um, I would say I was surprised about the Trey Young um, all-star starter placement uh, just for the same reasons that you said. Uh, I didn't I hadn't really heard much about uh, what he was doing. And then I looked at the Eastern Conference standings and they're in 10th in the uh, in the standings. So, I mean, I don't really see what exactly kept him as an all-star starter, but. I mean, hey, I guess I got to leave it to them. But um, every everything else mm-hmm. looks just about right. Uh, I was when I heard about the Andrew Wiggins news, I was surprised too because considering the West, I mean, you would think that it's more suitable stars to you know be holding the All Star starter spot. But I mean, he's he's really having a good year, so I guess I could I could leave that up to them. But everything else looks right. I mean, Demar Derozan. Having a great year. I mean, every every time I look up, it seems like he's having a game winner. Mm-hmm. So, I I'm totally cool with that. And uh, everything else, yeah, stay the same. LeBron, Nikola Jokic, everything else, pretty good. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. 
Um, so with that being said, as we're approaching the midseason point, um, what, what are you surprised by the most and what are your predictions going forward towards the end of the season? Um, well, I think the main thing that I'm surprised about is uh, I would say how good the Heat have been. Um, going into the season, I've seen they made a lot of moves and uh, I wasn't really too sure how everything would fit. I mean, having Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler, I just I just wasn't so sold on the fit. But as we speak right now, they are standing at the top of the Eastern Conference at 32-18. And it's just, I know they've had like sporadic injuries and they'll have certain people step up due to COVID reasons. And it seems like every person that they bring up, they just continue to shine and uh, put up numbers and stuff. So, and it, it produces wins. So I'm, I would say I'm surprised about the heat. Uh, And I guess this, this kind of is a surprise. I mean, but if you look hard enough, you would see that this was bound to happen. And that's Joel Embiid having a crazy season. I mean, Without Ben Simmons holding him back, I feel like it's just opened the door for him to be exactly who he's, he's supposed to be. And so I would say that's kind of a shocker, but not really, because we know Joel is great. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I can, you know, test. I'm, I'm a testimony to that because I like what I've seen from the Heat, you know. Uh, I think they brought when they brought Kyle Lowry in with the addition of PJ Tucker that helped them out a lot. They they've been winning some nice ball games. Um, also about the Joel Embiid thing, I I feel what you're saying, and I'm kind of happy that he's been able to keep the Sixers in the mix. You know, without having to worry about when Ben Simmons is going to get back, or um, they're not winning because of Ben Simmons. So I'm glad that he's able to keep the team going and have a stellar season um, despite his running mate not being there. But I think for me, what surprised me the most about this season is you probably can guess my Los Angeles Lakers, man. Like I just thought that I thought that we were going to be better than this, bro. Honestly, at the start of the season, I thought Westbrook was going to get, get it together. I thought that we were going to be, you know, one of the top teams competing in the league because, you know, going into the season, Brian recruits Westbrook and you're like, oh, okay, Brian makes everybody around him better. We know Westbrook had a turnover issue, but Brian's the type of player that's going to make him better and make him, you know, do the right things with the ball. And we just haven't seen that yet. And we really can't stay healthy. AD just came back from injury. Now Brian's out with an injury. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I can honestly say that's, that that's probably has shocked me the most. But I want to see if we end up moving some pieces around the trade deadline as well. So that's um, that's really what, what I would say. And as far as my um, predictions for the year on, I think the Suns are the real deal and the Warriors are the real deal. And a lot of teams in the West are the real deal because you can't count Memphis out. I think they're going to bring a lot of fight to the table. But um, I can see the Suns going a good ways. And in the East, I can see Brooklyn maybe going a good ways once KD gets back. Or, you know, Miami making a push. 
or the Bulls making a push when they get Lonzo back. It's going to be interesting. I think this is probably one of the most interesting NBA seasons we've had in a while. Yeah, and just before I get to my prediction, I also have one more surprise. I am completely surprised at the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're right now standing at number four in the Eastern Conference. I would have never predicted that. I know that they got Mobley, and I know they expected him to be great, but this is just completely shocking me considering that they are right now above the Bucks, the Nets, the Hornets, Celtics, Raptors, Hawks. I mean, it's it's crazy. The only teams that are above them right now are the Heat, the Bulls, and the 76ers. And honestly, to go yeah. back to our all-star game snubs, I think you could really uh, make a case that uh, – Instead of Trey Young being on the team, it could have been uh, their point guard, Garland. I don't know his first name, but Darius Garland. Darius Garland. Uh, He's been playing crazy. So I just think, I mean, maybe instead of Trey Young, who's in the 10th spot, and somebody who's in the 4th spot, I think that should have been switched. That's just me personally. That's not what they want. Yeah. Well, look, let me ask you this. What do you think the Cavaliers are going to do with Colin Sexton? I, I think he has to go. I think I'm, I really don't know where he could go, but I think he has to go. The team has been rolling like this, and they haven't been rolling like this since LeBron. And if 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 you can't be a part of it, and if you're not a part of it right now, and they're doing well, I feel like sometimes the league is just like that. You take take a little time away. You I don't know. I think it's just. Things can change, so I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, as far as my predictions, ooh, coming out of the West, I would say um, right now I still got I still got the Warriors coming out of the West. I think you know, they've been going through a little bit of slumps, especially Steph because the lack of Draymond Green. But other than that um, – I think they'll be fine. And in the East, I got I got Miami coming out of the East. I, I like what I see from them. And I I like the Nets. You know, I'm a big KD fan, but you know, you can't you can't depend on anyone who's playing half the games. So I and that's you just can't win like that. So I don't I don't have faith in them making it out. Yeah, for sure. But uh that's cool. We gave our predictions, you know, so y'all give us uh, any feedback um, of if y'all think, you know, think about what we said. Uh, after this break, we're going to come back to wrap it up. And we're also going to give y'all a little black spotlight to close it off like we used to. Y'all want to stay tuned. Don't let the mere buzz leave y'all ears. Welcome to the world of sports, baby. So welcome back to the Welcome to the World of Sports podcast. Uh, this is the time where we like to take a time out to uh, appreciate some of our Black pioneers and just Black people doing good in anything that they're doing uh, right now. So considering that we're heading into Black History Month, I decided to choose Robert Guillaume, who uh, was raised by his grandmother in the segregation South, but moved to New York to escape racial injustice 
Uh, he performed in theater for 19 years, gaining momentum and a Tony nomination for his portrayal of Nathan Detroit in Guys and Dolls. In 1976, he landed his infamous role as Benson on Soap, which won him an Emmy and his spinoff Benson, for which he won another Emmy. Uh, he returned to the stage in 1990, playing the role of Phantom and Phantom uh, of the Opera at the infamous um, Phantom Theater. And uh, he voiced one of Disney's most beloved animated characters, Rafiki, and can still be heard as a narrator for the animated series Happily Ever After, which was fairy tales for every child. And I'm sorry, I messed up the name of the theater. It's actually called Amundsen. But yes, Robert Golame, he's an actor and he was born from 1927 to 2017. So that's my spotlight. Now on to you. Um, so today I chose my spotlight to be actually Odell Beckham and Jamar Chase. And I spotlight these two guys out because they are both Louisiana natives, um, both from the New Orleans area who went on to play football at LSU. And I can honestly say that probably both of them never thought, you know, they probably dreamed of being in this situation and they probably prayed a lot of nights for this and they put in the hard work. And to just make it from the bayou on to the big stage where everybody's going to be watching you and that you can go out and put out the best performance. I want to salute those guys. Two LSU alums from the New Orleans area. Congrats to OBJ and Jamar Chase on making it to the Super Bowl. Yes, sir. So um, thank you all for tuning in. Until next week, we're going to continue to watch sports and give our best um, take on it, and y'all continue to watch sports and do the same as well. Thank y'all for listening to Welcome to the World of Sports.